Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED ON to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED ON, L O C K E D O N, for $10 off your first order. Welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Monday, June 8th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. We got some news this weekend, some news this morning. Uh, about the latest between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association on the resumption of a 2020 season or the start of a 2020 season in the case of baseball, not in the case of basketball and hockey as they are resuming. I also think it's important to separate that baseball hadn't started yet. So it's a little more difficult. We can give them that benefit of the doubt. But, uh, you know, if you've listened to the show, you know my feelings about how things have transpired in the last week or two or now month, it feels like, uh, since Rob Manfred was on CNN and said that he was confident that the two sides would come to an agreement. They have yet to do that. We're going to talk about that today. Also, the biggest snubs in Twins history for the two major awards, the Cy Young Award and the MVP Award, three guys that I could find that I think should have won an award, that but they didn't. Uh, I think there's one that's super obvious, and then two that are really good cases as well that I think were snubbed. I think all three are strong snubs, and I'll rank them as well, of the biggest snub to the smallest snub of the, the top three twins that should have won awards, but they didn't, and what it means for them, and maybe even a Hall of Fame case for one of these guys. But let's talk about this proposal from Major League Baseball. I made a video last night at NashWalker9 on Twitter about um, – to Rob Manfred and Jim Polad and the 29 other owners about how they need to agree this week. This is the week, and they need to do it now because we wanted it on 4th of July. It's not happening on 4th of July. Uh, If they agree this week, by Wednesday they can start July 15th. That would be five weeks out, and that's a lot of time to give, you know, for spring training and, and for coming back from, you know, countries for players to report to spring training again so you can start july 15th that's like 37 days away i mean i'd be happy with that but you know that's contingent on an agreement it feels like they're still pretty far apart ken rosenthal wrote this weekend uh, i think it came out saturday or sunday morning about july 4th is off the table and, and that's it it's not happening july 4th is is all but gone for opening day which is really really disappointing i wrote at twins daily last week why doesn't baseball love us back and i think it was a really good question at the time of it would have been so, so good for 4th of July for opening day to come and that to be the uniting factor uh, in a patriotic way for the country to come back together, baseball fans to come back together and enjoy their teams and enjoy the sport. But instead, we're fighting about money uh, and it's all it's the almighty dollar that's going to prevail here. And so today, uh, and it's worth mentioning last week, Major League Baseball said they were not going to counter. Uh, they said they were not going to come back to the Players Association with a counter because they felt like there was no way that the players have not tried to negotiate, not tried to see their way and see and have empathy for their situation. That's what Major League Baseball said. Um, Not whether I agree with that or not, but that that's what their stance was. But then they came with a counter offer today, a new offer this morning reported by uh, Carl Ravitch. And it was for 76 games. So on the surface, we'll take 76 games. That's better than the 48 to 50 that the league is threatening, but uh, not fully prorated pay. It's 50% prorated pay for the regular season. Keep in mind, that's 50% on top of 50%. So the players are only making half their salaries for a half season, which makes sense. And then the owners are cutting another 50% for the regular season. And then if the postseason is played, they get 25% back so it would be you know if they play through the postseason it's 75 percent of their prorated salaries 
the player's instant reaction, as you can guess, was no. They want fully pro-rated salaries. They don't want 75%. doesn't seem like they want 80%. It feels, and it's been reported, that the players would much rather play 50 games with fully pro-rated pay than play 75 at 75%. And it's been pointed out, this is a little bit of a give back from the league. I think it went from 31% of their salaries to 35% of their salaries with this new proposal that would be 76 games at 75% prorated pay if the postseason was played. But it's also a new way for the owners to say, and I think this is the best way to put it, this is the amount of money that we have for this season. You decide how many games we play. And I can't remember who tweeted that out, but I think it's the best way to say it is the owners are saying we're willing to give a little bit, you know, 31 to 35% of 4% jump. Um, but you also have to take more risk for the postseason being canceled than you would before. Um, so I think that's a good way to put it is, is the owners are saying we have this budget uh, you decide how many games you want to play. If you don't want to come to an agreement with us, we're going to institute a 48 to 52 game schedule, which would be an absolute joke. And if that ends up getting implemented, we're going to talk you know, further about what it means for the Twins and about the league. And, and it's not good, really, news for the Twins at all uh, or for any good teams this year to play 48 to 52 games. And the legit- legitimacy of that and the legitimacy of a playoff berth or a World Series diminishes completely in a 50-game season. It would be really disappointing and you say what's the difference between 76 and 50 games it's huge that's a huge difference we'll take whatever we can get at this point but if they can come to an agreement for 76 games at fully prorated pay or even 65 games that's so much better than 50 Uh, it feels like owners the owners are willing to give a little bit they said that you know qualifying offers essentially are going to be gone because there's going to be no draft pick compensation in this deal for next offseason which helps the players uh free agency is expected to be stalled completely after this after revenues were were so down this summer um, because of the coronavirus that free agency could be spurred and, and juiced up a little bit by not having that draft pick compensation players will not offer the QO to their players because they're not getting any compensation which saves them some money as well but I think that's a way for for ownership to give something back to the players because the players are going to be concerned about free agency and that's something we have to think about too whatever agreement that they come to it's going to have longer lasting impacts and that's what I think the two sides are failing to see not only is it going to impact free agency this winter because if the players get what they want and they upset and piss off the owners the owners are going to screw them in free agency we've seen that before Also, CBA negotiations are next spring. The CBA expires December 2021. The two sides are going to come angry into those conversations if they don't come to an agreement that's a compromise for both sides, a decent compromise for both sides. So they have to think about the long game here too, and I think they are. But at the same time, the short-term game is you're trying to unite fans after a pandemic, and, and it's really been embarrassing to see, and I've made that super clear as how embarrassed and disgusted I am with these negotiations. But it seems like the owners are willing to give back a little bit. The players are still really upset with it, and I can't blame them. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There are 16 amazing flavors, eight with nuts, eight without nuts. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Did I mention Built Bars are healthy? Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. I'm type 1 diabetic, so low-carb is huge for me. Only 3 grams of net carbs in the peanut butter brownie flavor and 5 grams of carbs in the mint brownie flavor. That is extremely low 
for a protein bar, especially one that tastes as good as Built Bar does. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. You'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Really good, really tasty, very healthy. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Again, BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order. I want to pivot a little bit to the three biggest snubs that I could find as far as the two major awards in Twins history. And and we're going to talk much, much more about the negotiations this week between the MLBPA and and Major League Baseball because I I figure that we're going to hear more. Uh, The writers and journalists, baseball writers, have done an exceptional job of filling us in on these talks. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if that's a good thing because I think it should be behind closed doors. Uh, to get these negotiations done, especially when they're taking shots at each other. But I think writers have done a really great job of filling us in, and I do my best to relay that with a little bit of my own opinion. So we'll have that more on the negotiations this week. But I think it's important to continue to look back, and I did the 1988 MVP race excuse me, last week. It's important to look back at these awards, how they've changed, how the voting has changed, how it needs to continue to change because guys were stolen Awards were stolen from guys who had better years than the players who won it. Uh, and three twins come to mind first, doing some research. First and foremost uh, is Johan Santana in 2005. This would have been Johan's second in a row, and then he won it in 2006. That would have been three straight. And yes, that would have impacted his Hall of Fame candidacy uh, if he had won three straight Cy Youngs. He led all AL candidates in baseball reference calculated war, 7.3, led by a mile. Mark Burley is second at 4.8, 7.3 war for Johan. Led an ERA plus among all starters at 155. That's 55% above league average. That's phenomenal. He was second in innings pitched to only Burley with 231 and two-thirds. He led the world with 238 strikeouts and led the world with a 280 fielding independent pitching uh, score as well. So Johan should have won the Cy Young in 2005. If you don't know that by now, if that's not etched into your brain, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. I just, I, I'm going to say that Johan was absolutely snubbed. Bartolo Colon won this award. He should have probably finished like 10th, and Johan should have walked with it, walked away, and this would have been three straight in 2004, 5, and 6. Another one for a Twins pitcher is Burt Blylevin in 1973. Also should have won the AL Cy Young. Burt, and Keith Law mentions it in his book Smart Baseball, Burt pitched on some really, really bad Twins teams, and he was punished for it in voting. He was punished for it. And his legacy, when you look back at him, because he played on some just terrible teams that didn't give him much run support at all. This was his 22-year-old season. Aaron Gleeman had a great uh, article ranking the top 10 seasons by a right-handed pitcher in Twins history. This is the number one season um, number one season by a right-handed pitcher, starting pitcher in Twins history is Burt Blylevin in 1973. He had 9.7 war, which is 3.4 more war than the winner, Jim Palmer. Uh, He had the best ERA plus at 156 with 325 innings pitched. So just a ton of volume and 156 ERA plus, 56% above league average. He had a much better year than Nolan Ryan, who finished second. Jim Colborne finished sixth ahead of Burt, and Colborne had 4.7 war and a 118 ERA plus. So much like half the pitcher that Burt was, and Colborne finished above him. Uh, Burt led all of baseball with a 232 FIP fielding independent pitching because the Twins defense was bad behind him. And he led the American League with a 385 strikeout to walk ratio. 9.7 Ward did not win the Cy Young. Instead, um, you know, finished behind a guy who had like half as much war that season, which is which is embarrassing. You know, less than half as much war. 
um, and, and Burt finishes seventh, and that's one of the biggest snubs, you know, I think in baseball history, if we look back, uh, 1973, Burt cannot be looked looked past. Position players is a little tougher um, because, you know, Crew did win MVP in 77, and, and Harmon was great, and there are some of those years where there's some argument. I was looking for more blatant uh, mishaps here, and there's a mishap in 2006, I think, with Justin Morneau winning the award, and we have to also uh, look at that, and I'm going to probably do a full episode on the 2006 MVP voting and see really who deserved it. I don't know if it was Morneau. As I've looked on the surface, it probably shouldn't have gone to Morneau because RBIs are no longer as valued as they once were, but we're going to look deeper at that, and I'll give my updated rankings of the 2006 MVP award based on new metrics that we know and new stats that we use. But Bob Allison in 1963 should have won the MVP in the American League. He was 28 years old, led the American League with 7.4 war. He had the highest OPS in the AL as well. 35 home runs ranked behind only Killebrew and Dick Stewart in the American League. He had 90 walks. That was behind only Carl Yastrzemski and Albie Pearson. He was fourth in on-base percentage at 378, second in slugging percentage at 533, and again, led in OPS in the American League. He was also second in win probability added with 4.386 to only the Tigers' Al Kalani. finished 15th in MVP voting, Allison. 15th. The Twins went 91-70, and 70, finished third in the American League, did not make the playoffs. But Bobby Allison was phenomenal and should have won MVP uh, really bad. That was bad. Uh, I really think that using war should not be – it's not an end-all, and we know that. It's not a be-all, end-all to use war. But if you look at these stats for Allison in 1963, he was outstanding and a lot better than many hitters in the American League. So those are my three. Johan's number one. I'd put Burt number two and Allison number three, but I think they're all blatant, and I think they're all – uh, really strong cases of these guys should have won these awards and they did not. So more on the negotiations this week. Um, you know, more Twins history. I think we're going to do the 2006 MVP conversation. Maybe Joe in 2009. Maurer won it in 2009. We can look back at that one uh, with some question. I love award conversations because I think there are so many mistakes that were made throughout baseball history in this. And I think even Twins are involved regularly in those mistakes uh, on both sides of the coin. So more on that. More on the negotiations this week, more on details from the conversations between the two sides of when we're going to get baseball and when I'm going to be able to talk to you about Twins games. Can't wait for that. Have a great day. Go Twinks.